The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Content warning, this show will contain descriptions of rape and sexual abuse. You're listening to Very Loose Women. listeners and thanks for tuning into Resonance 104.4 FM. You've just been listening to the wonderful Club Integral and now you're listening to Various Women, as usual featuring me, Emma, and Leo. Hi. And Catherine. Hello. And we're really excited to welcome back Florence Breton from the Women's Resource Centre um, and she runs the Women's Speak Out project. And we're introducing Rosie who participated in the project. Welcome to the show guys. Before we get started, does anyone have any gripes or mini celebrations to share? Leo? Yeah I do and also, I found out that I, mine is not the only house gripe. So my shower, you know, like the shower tube, you get like the metal bit and then underneath there's some plastic. The metal bit like slipped down a few weeks ago and I was like, it's fine. Whatever may be, will be. <laughs> but then, <laughs> philosophical of you, yeah. <laughs> that's the sort of attitude I have towards my house falling apart. But then the... There was, now there's just a huge hole in the plastic bit and it just sprouts out everywhere. So when you get in the shower, you've got to make sure everything is shut because it just sprays and it's more like an all-round sprinkle than an actual shower. That I ordered a new good. one. I think it sounds good. It is, but also annoying if you don't want to get your hair wet or anything. Mm. I understand the problem. What about you, Catherine? Um, my gripe is also along house-related lines. My oven broke yesterday, but the grill's still working. It's just the main fan oven, so it's kind of frustrating because you can only cook half the things that you want to make. But the mini-celebration is that since my partner moved in, who is a little bit more handy than I am, much to my shame, he took the back off the oven, which I didn't know you could do, and looked at it and realised that one thing needed replacing. Whereas my instinct had been to research new ovens, which cost a lot of money, his solution of replacing the thing at the back, whatever it's called, it cost $7.99 plus postage. What a guy. Um, What about you, Florence? I... I have a little celebration because last night I saw uh, one of my best friends from school, um, Sabrina, who I hadn't seen for a really long time. Well, I say a long time, it was like four weeks, but still, ages for the past. (laughs) Um, And she's recovering from having had the flu as well, so that's to celebrate, yeah. That's great. Mm -hmm. And Rosie, are you pretty neutral on the celebrations? Yeah, I think it's been a good week, it's a good month, so yeah, I'm quite happy. I've got a really big disaster um, that relates to buying a new diary, so I was kind of holding off trying to choose the best one and obviously now that it's February the selection is quite low so I kind of just bit the bullet and bought the first one I saw unfortunately it's an adult colouring book but maybe that'll give me some sort of meditative help and um, I opened it up just now about five minutes ago and realised it's from July 2016 to July 2017 which is not the kind of year that I was planning it's quite anarchic they're just like, confusing. I'm going to make my own year I don't care what you think it is why would they do that? it's not even an academic year I don't understand it. And basically it means I'm going to have to buy another one. Oh, in July. July Right. Mm, They've tricked me into that one. No, you're stuck in a loop of only buying (laughs) July. July. Maybe that's the new year setting for me. That's what they're trying to say. Anyway, I was quite upset about it. And also, I forgot to say, the first song that we played was Shout by Tears for Fears, which is a favourite of many of us in the studio. And I guess I kind of chose it because it relates to women speaking out. And of course, some of our listeners might remember Florence, um, who came on the show to talk about the amazing work she does with Women Speak Out. So maybe let's talk about that first. So how did it come about, Women Speak Out? 
I think it came about from um, the Women's Resource Centre as an organisation wanting to challenge the narrative around uh, a lot of issues that women face. I think around the time where they wrote the bid, because it's funded by Comic Relief, so around the time they wrote the bid, I think um, Benefit Street was on TV and I think people were getting a bit fed up with um, the kind of representations that 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 gave and um, as well as kind of an awareness of violence against women and girls being covered in a certain way, which is often quite damaging um, by certain sections of the media, and then the stereotypes that exist around benefits, poverty um, and mental health as well, and kind of just wanting to to challenge those and um, to give women a kind of control over what's said about them and put them in the kind of in the centre of their telling their own story um, through video. So what kind of stories have you shared? Loads of different things. So Rosie's stories about um, mental health. Um, another, another few other women have um, spoken about various um, mental health issues as well. Violence against women, disability benefits, the housing crisis has been a big one as well. We've shot a couple of videos on that too, um, as well as racism and discrimination at work. So just loads of different, different ones. I think I've filmed about 25 now. And how do you get your participants? We get them through social media. I think that's how Rosie found us. So lots of women come to me through social media but also because the Women's Resource Centre is an umbrella body for women's charities we have connections to loads of small grassroots charities who provide frontline support to women who have faced loads of different things so often women have got in touch with me because you know they're going through a therapeutic process and their therapist kind of says to them maybe this will be a good thing for you to do to speak out about what's happened to you. So you talk to people about very personal like uh, personal things and sensitive things that have happened to them how do you manage to put them at ease to be able to share that? Um, I think, yeah, it goes back to wanting to put women in control of the story that they tell. So as an interviewer, before we shoot the documentaries, the, the videos, I come up with the questions with the women and I'll talk to them about what they want to focus their video on and then we'll draw up questions together and I'll make it very clear that, you know, this is your story. You can you can change any of the questions. We can take it out. Um, any of any of the things you talk about in the edit and you get final say over the edit um, as well so it's not going to go anywhere without women approving it um, and I think that helps kind of a lot towards um, sort of reassurance talking about difficult things but also I think because we're kind of obviously trusted as a women's organization it's quite I think it's kind of different um, that I'm doing the the interviewing rather than a, a journalist who may not have the awareness around lots of these issues. What have you learned through working on the project? I've learned loads of stuff, to be honest. Like, I'd never done interviewing before at all before the project, so that's been very much a process that I've learned, like, what kind of interviewer I want to be and, I guess, the importance of listening as well and just the power that that can give to somebody who hasn't maybe been listened to before about... Maybe it's the first time they're speaking out about a certain issue. I've learned how resilient all the women are, actually, as well and how, how powerful it is, you know, even though they're talking about sometimes stuff that has disempowered them they feel so empowered by telling their stories and just how important that whole process is. And how can people take part if they're interested in sharing their stories? And how can we watch the videos you've already made? So, yeah, if you'd like to take part, you can email me directly, which is florence at wrc.org.uk. You can also go to the website, which is womenspeakout.wrc.org.uk, and you can submit your story online there or just phone up the Women's Resource Centre. I can't remember the phone number, but just Google and ask for me and I'll be there. Is there anything you're working on at the moment that you'd like to tell us about? Um, yeah, actually, in the next couple of months, we're going to be releasing a research report 
um, which is a combination of the Women Speak Out project and um, another campaign that I run called A Fair Deal for Women. And it's gathering lots of statistics about um, violence against women and girls and also talking about women's health, uh, including mental health. And we'll be using stories like Rosie's to sort of illustrate um, the statistics as well and like give a voice to the statistics. Um, so that'll be coming out in a couple of months, yeah. Great, thank you. And maybe we can now talk to Rosie and hear a bit about your story. If you've just tuned in, this is just a note to say that we will be discussing and describing incidents of rape and sexual abuse in the show. So first of all, um, thank you so much for coming on the show to share your story with us. How did you first hear about Women Speak Out and what made you want to get involved? I found them through Twitter. I was at the point where probably about six months ago I wanted to share my story and really sort of... um, I was sort of fed up of of living in silence and so I started writing on the Huffington Post blog and then I thought, you know, um, sometimes writing can convey a message but actually speaking about it is something different and I liked the way the women speak out actually let you do a video, they let you sort of have control as Florence was saying and then you get the media training alongside it so it sort of empowers you through the whole process. And can you explain what the issue was that you spoke out about? I spoke about abuse um, at boarding school and post-traumatic stress disorder. Can you tell us a bit about that? When did you realise that you were suffering from trauma? So the abuse, the attacks happened when I was 13. I was sort of three months into school, uh, boarding school, and I was in a boarding house where where the older girls, you got respect by just accepting what they did and there wasn't any sort of control in the house. Um, the house parents weren't very present and there and it was exiat weekend, which is sort of a long weekend from Friday to, to Sunday and it's when the first attacks happened. Two of um, the older girls... Uh, physically and sexually assaulted me and then it became um, uh, continuous for the next six months Um, and then they got their so-called boyfriend who was two years older to to rape me and they watched. Um, So at that time um, when I first, I didn't really realise I was traumatised. You know there's signs where I stopped eating, Um, I lost about five kilograms of weight and then the school picked up something was wrong. Um, I also started to write backwards, so my writing was completely mirrored. Um, That is kind of a sign of trauma as well. Um, But I didn't really know, to be honest with you. Um, I I left that particular school and I went home and I was with my family and it felt safe and I felt fine. And I thought I could just go back to another school and continue how I was going. Um, but that became apparent I couldn't cope, especially around the following year, um, sort of November to January time is always pretty triggering. And then my dad went away for work and um, I just stopped eating and drinking for two months. And then I was admitted into um, various general hospitals, but then into um, a psychiatric hospital where I was tube fed. And um, then I had flashbacks up glass for about four hours and the only way they could uh, get me out of them was to medicate me Um, but at that time I had no idea you know months and weeks could just go by and I wouldn't know where I am I wouldn't know who 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 these people were Um, so and then I was diagnosed at the age of 15 but I think people need to be a little bit more um, in schools need to be a bit aware of the signs of trauma and abuse because it, it shows in very, very different ways. Some people might uh, get angry and sh- 
shout some people go into themselves and that's exactly what I did and um, I didn't talk I didn't talk about it um, until I was started talking about it when I was 15 but it's taken me till I was 22 to write everything down and it doesn't mean everything I've written is logical and people can understand it and I can give you times and dates and everything but it it's actually out of my head for the first time in 10 years so that's quite powerful in itself being part of women speak out and also with your blog and twitter i think and also writing for huffington post how has that helped you kind of deal with it's given me um for years i felt very sort of isolated and alone because um throughout school i I lost a lot of friends because people don't understand what's going on you get taken out of school and so my schooling was affected by that but through I'd always been so, so scared of the people that hurt me. And I felt that I had tried the ju- th- going through the criminal justice system. I had tried to do all, if you want to say, the normal ways of going to try and seek justice. And I felt that actually I could continue on this sort of path of self-destruction and path of, of hurting myself through the actions of others. Or I could actually speak and and accept what's happened and for me that was the biggest thing to accept and actually talk about it and through through using the blogs and women speak out it's given me that support that it's okay to talk about these things these things do happen and the more and more I talk about it the more I'm sort of letting go of the past I'm letting the demons go and I'm also standing up to those people that hurt me and saying you might have been able to silence me, you might have been able to do these horrendous things, but I'm still here and I'm stronger for it and you can not defeat me. What kind of responses have you had to those the posts and things that you've written? On my own website, on my own blog, um, I've had you know, people who I haven't had been in contact for a long time have you know, opened up about their sort of mental health problems or there's just been a lot of support really for it. Um, but there was a blog I put up on the Huffington Post, um, a letter to my attackers, and that got reposted by the Huffington Post. But I had a couple of really lovely messages um, and retweets that were saying people need to read this, it's really good. Um, and that gave me a, a lot of support that there's not always going to be this positivity. There are always going to be people who are, are going to have negative response. But I think when there's... Um, I think when people are reading it and it's helping them or they can relate to it in some way, I think it it helps everyone, really. You mentioned some of the treatments that you'd um, received and how some of them um, had a really uh, potentially detrimental effect on your well-being. What kind of things do really help and um, maybe what things don't work so much? Um, so for, for many years I got um, cognitive behavioural therapy um, and then EMDR and DBT, all sort of the standard stuff the NHS give you. But I found that by doing so many years of CBT that I was just re-traumatising myself over and over again because I was just talking about the same things that had happened and then that would send my flight-or-flight response just through the roof. Then I would have a massive relapse. So I had to make a decision not to to sort of participate in therapy um, even though I know I need still need to talk about things but the things that I found that has helped help me is exercise I find that running is a great way to just clear my head um, I do yoga um, I play the guitar I taught myself the guitar in when I was in hospital my uncle gave me a guitar and said learn it 
and um, I went home and I, I learned it. And for me, that's a space where, uh, through music, through songs, I can express the feelings. Sometimes I can't tell people, but it, this varies for 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 so many different people. Like it, one thing might work for one person, one thing might not. So it's completely individual. Um. As you're saying, it is certainly from an individual point of view and your experience of your PTSD, but do you think you could offer any advice maybe to if anyone thinks they're suffering from PTSD, do you have any advice you could offer? Uh, tell someone. Tell someone what the problem is. Um, however uncomfortable, however um, you think people will judge you, they won't um, because the hardest thing is to first step is to talk about what's happened whether it's abuse whether you've witnessed something whatever it is because the more you hold on to it the more nightmares the flashbacks happen and the further it, it sort of progressively gets worse so it's just talk to someone you trust I so I trained as a teacher a few years ago and in terms of they need to be more teachers need to be more aware of the warning signs mm. um and is there any advice similarly not to sufferers of ptsd like you just said but to also to people who might be able to help them to make them seem more approachable i think um my my, my sort of experience of school is completely different to a lot of other people's um and probably quite extreme but i think people have to be able to listen and whether the whether you know the government has all these things about child protection and but I didn't find at school there was anyone I could trust a teacher I could trust but I feel that if you know there's a teacher or someone you really trust talk to them and they'll be able to deal with it properly but in my experience that that didn't happen and another advice question although I know as you say your your experience is unique and everyone's Mm. experience of these things is unique do you think you could explain or offer advice as to how best to support someone if you if you know one of our listeners knows someone who's suffering or yeah. is a friend or a partner um for me um when i have flashbacks which are quite physical um you've probably seen from the video um best thing is not to touch me because if you've been attacked or, or hurt in any way for someone to actually hold you down is the worst thing to do just take anything that's that's going to harm someone unintentionally away clear the area and just say you're safe you're fine um and just put like music and radio on if someone is in a really bad place but i think the worst for me the worst thing to do is actually is to try and hold them down is to is to panic and that is everyone's natural response even even the nhs professionals do that because they don't know how to deal with trauma but there's not I think for my family that's been the hardest thing of being able to I come out of a flashback and I can't sometimes can't remember what I've done or what's happened so it's really about and I think this has only come from me getting better and and, and growing older is that within a family dynamic or whoever's looking after you is that everyone sort of has witnessed it whether they haven't physically gone through it is that everyone's asked how are they because that's important. It's not just the person who's suffering from the trauma. It's that everyone around that sort of support system is okay as well, because it affects everyone if you witness these things. So, um, Do you think there are any other misconceptions about um, PTSD that maybe the general public have through its um, portrayal in the media? I think a lot of people think it happens if you've um, been part of the military. Um, and um, a lot of... 
um, women and men you, who have mental health problems. They they get uh, sort of typecast with borderline personality disorder, schizophrenia, um, or self harm or depression. But they no one really finds out that it's trauma and and, and sort of takes that time. Um, and I think everyone thinks PTSD, you, you only get it if you go out and you to, to war and you experience something. I think it's absolutely amazing what Help for Heroes and everyone's doing at the moment, um, and it's much needed. But they, I think a lot of people forget about people who have suffered abuse or have um, within schools, with, with any, in any environment, I think they forget about those women and men who haven't had it from, from war. It sounds like it's been really empowering for you to share your story. Um, do you plan on taking it to anywhere, for example, schools or somewhere like that to share? At the moment, I don't really know what I want to do with it. I, I would like to keep talking about it on radio. I just think as many people can hear it and who and many people who are willing to really listen to it, I'm more than happy to do anything with it. I think because I'm in a better place, I'm in a... Um, I can actually help others now. I think if you had told me six, seven months ago, even two years ago, I couldn't have been able to sit quite openly and discuss it. So I think you have to be in a place to to give the help and offer it, if that makes sense. Could you also tell us the addresses for your blog and your Twitter and things like that? And also maybe if there's any websites, if you don't remember that right now. Um, <laughs> okay. My um, blog um, is rosieburnham.com. Um, I do post stuff that I've done on the Huffington Post, but um, it's more sort of uh, personal and to do with like poems and stuff, just a general sort of diary, if you want to call it that way. Um, Twitter, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> That's fine. We can, we can and find that I can't really remember anything else, but yeah. So. <laughs> cool. And I don't know, well, putting on the spot again then, um, yeah. if there's any websites you think our listeners might find helpful in learning more about PTSD. Um, there is a website called, I think it's ptsduk.org. It's the only um, sort of UK PTSD website. I think it was um, crowdfunded and set up that way. That is really, really informative because it really sort of explains to you about uh, trauma. Um, but if you put in PTSD into Google, you will find stuff that, that tells you. So that's all we have time for tonight. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much, Rosie, for coming in and sharing your story. Thanks for bringing us together, Florence. Um, and you've been listening to Various Women on Resonance 104.4 FM. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at VLW Radio and find our podcast on iTunes and Acast. Um, next up, we're going to have Global Globules with Bacon Face. Um, before we go, Rosie, I asked you if you'd like to choose a song. Um, can you tell us what song you chose and maybe explain a bit about its significance? Um, so the song um, was... Uh, Landslide. Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. Um, the reason for it is when I was in hospital, I would always listen to this. Um, and it's just a very meaningful song um, about change and everything. I don't, it probably doesn't mean that to some people, but I went to see Fleetwood Mac live and I saw them play this in 2009. Um, so it's quite, it's just a very poignant song for me. Thanks so much, a great choice. Um, bye, listeners. Bye. Bye. I climbed a mountain and I turned around. And I saw my reflection in the snow covered hills. Till the landslide brought me down Oh, mirror in the sky, what is love? Can the child within my heart rise above? 
If you have been affected by anything or want more information about anything you've heard in the show, then please log on to ptsduk.org. Check out womenspeakout.wrc.org.uk and search Rosie Burnham for more information about Rosie's story.